Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey everyone, it is Cleo. I am one of the co-hosts here on your favorite show, Conversations with Coco and Friends. We are still on show break, but I promise you this is our last week on show break and we will be back next week on an ongoing basis with more amazing, super exciting episodes. So tune in next Wednesday for the new stuff. I'm not telling you about anything that's coming but we'll be there. So for this week, I wanted to remind you to listen to our episode with Vanessa Kraft, who is a director of content partnerships at TikTok Canada. And she talks to us about how to shoot your shot in business and how to keep imposter syndrome at bay. Vanessa was the first black editor-in-chief at Elle magazine globally. And she is one of our favorite people. We have done tons of stuff with her over the years and she's so much fun to talk to. So give it a listen and let us know what you think. Don't forget to rate, comment, subscribe, leave your reviews, send us messages on social and all that good stuff, and we will catch you on the flip side. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I am so excited for today's conversation. The one and only Vanessa Kraft. It's long overdue. The last time we actually talked to you, Vanessa, um, publicly, was at CocoCon. That amazing sold out event where the women just came dressed to the nines and they <laughs> showed up and showed out for you. Let me tell you, they were so excited. It was so beautiful at the Four Seasons Hotel. Man, do I miss those days. <laughs> if you don't know, um, Vanessa was the first black editor in chief for Elle magazine globally. Um, and she has now moved to TikTok as the director of content and partnerships in Canada. Ow, ow. And Vanessa made that switch during a pandemic. I mean, it seems like that is our forever reality at this point. 
But Vanessa, tell us about this transition from Elle to becoming the Director of Content Partnerships at TikTok. Sure. Uh, And hello. So nice to chat. So happy to be here. Okay, so let's let's reflect. So it was around uh, the end of October that I moved on from L. Uh, it was nearly a decade that I'd been there, and I'd been editor in chief for four years. My official job description at TikTok is that I oversee content strategy, user acquisition, growth, uh, management of the platform's community of creators, media publishers, uh, public figures in Canada. But what that really means. <laughs> is uh, regular people terms is my team is very focused on building, growing, expanding creators' presence on the platform. Uh, We help them tell their stories to grow new audiences and to build their brands. So really it's still an editorial kind of organic growth focus, uh, but really we want the people using our platform to be able to grow on and off platform to, you know, make great connections and, and, and grow regardless of uh, on the platform or not. So it's a really exciting time. It's a big job and a huge opportunity here. That's interesting. It, the way you explained it made me think that it's pretty aligned with what you had done at Alicanada Canada in terms of, you know, being the editor in chief. So I didn't realize that they were so closely aligned, which is really awesome. What does your day-to-day look like at TikTok? Obviously it changes. But if you can give our listeners like a TikTok insider point of view, what would that be? A lot of my job is strategy. You know, a lot of my job is, uh, you know, enabling others to do what they need to do. But for example, like today, um, I have like, I have a lot of global calls. So, so I talk a lot with the UK team, with the US team and the Australian team. Uh, and that can be about to my counterparts, looking at what they're doing in their market and how that's similar to us or vice versa, knowledge sharing, stuff like that. I'll have calls with our PR team about, you know, upcoming events I need to prepare for or what's on the pipeline. And from a PR perspective for me, as I do a lot of speaking uh, engagements as well, I get to have really fun meetings uh, with the music team, you know, talk about what's going on there what sounds are bubbling up. We do a lot of conversations between the leadership team and the content teams around trends, what we're seeing emerging, what we're excited about. So yeah, so a lot of conversation with my direct reports, a lot of coffee, a lot of saying I'm going to go for a walk and not going for a walk. And yeah, a lot of interruption from the kids and the cat. It's just really having it all. Having it all, that pandemic life. TikTok, I feel, and I'm actually probably wrong about this, but when it started, it it felt like very geared towards younger people or maybe the younger people just picked it up faster because I don't know anything my daughter touches technology wise like she's just like mom stop and she's like only eight she can like school me on anything technology but what I am starting to see is 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 way more breadth of people adopting TikTok so it's not just the teens and tweens do you see that too do you see the the demo changing Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the most exciting things because, uh, you know, we always talk about it's just like, it's actually a platform for everyone, gamers to grannies, you know, they're all out there making content. And at first you don't know if it's for you and then you get on it and 17 hours pass and you're like, cool, I found my people, whether you're in witch talk or DIY or whatever it might be, a little bit of comedy. So yeah, it is. It's it's incredible the the demographic that is actually on the platform and the way that it is expanding. I don't know how how the young folk feel about the olds getting in there in their little in the mix, um, but really it's it's largely Gen Z and millennials right now. But you do see some really cool content. Like we talk about Nona TikTok all the time. It's a thing. So yeah, it's surprising. It's pure joy. It's just very diverse amounts of con- types of content on the platform. I love that you touched on the music piece 
as well because I literally feel like artists are creating specifically to get that song to go viral on TikTok. What are the back end conversations that happened around that? I don't know. I mean, we, we, I think sometimes we're as surprised as everyone else is. I think sometimes you can just, you know, obviously we start to see the rising number of creates around the song and you can just start to go from like, if we look at Lubalin, who's, uh, you know, from Montreal, who blew up, he does internet drama. And I remember seeing one of his videos, his first internet drama, like at the end of December. And I was like, well, this is good. This is fun. And then literally a week later, it was millions of views, right? And now, you know, then he did Jimmy Fallon and he's, you know, it's incredible the success that he's had. But that's an example of where something is just so hot. And now like, he's got his own music as well that, that he makes. So yeah, I think we do see it. We do see it happening and we, we try to do our best to actually shine even more of a light on something. When we start to see people really love a certain trend, really love a, a certain sound, we want to make sure that we help get that to continue to grow and be out there. But it's, it's a, it's, we're surprised a lot and it's great. Um, I'm obsessed with TikTok and I feel like you said the thing I say to people all the time about it. It brings me joy. I, I go on it. I've gamed the algorithm. So before bed, I TikTok till sometimes that little man's like, pump your brakes, Clee, get off TikTok. Because and don't you just swipe right past yeah, and you're like, no, thank I, you. I actually exit TikTok and then I go back in because I'm like, I don't want to hear you tell me this again. I'm, I'm laughing. Like I'm laying in my bed crying, laughing at some of the things I'm seeing. So I, I fully align with the bringing you joy. Um, but I want to rewind for just a minute. And we, we know this about you and you're the first black editor in chief of any L magazine around the world. So can you talk a little bit about that process and how it felt to be the first? Whew. Yeah. I mean, in the moment, you know, you're just like grinding, you're just doing it. It wasn't something that actually I had even thought about before it happened because just the process of getting that job is no joke, right? You have to put together uh, like a crazy presentation that talks not just about your vision and your content strategy, but how you're going to get the return on the investment of what you're going to spend and just like cover star ideas. And you literally have to map out a huge presentation that takes weeks and weeks to make. So you're very focused on that. Then you have to be very focused on selling that vision because essentially you're coming in to sell a vision and to show that you're the person to execute it. So that was, that took up a lot of real estate in my mind. And plus there's the industry conversations around you at the time that are happening about like, Ooh, girl, do you know who's like, are you getting that job? And you're just like, yeah, la, 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 la. so there's a lot of that. The pressure was coming externally a lot. Um, and obviously it's a big interview process. You know, you, you gotta be, you gotta talk to the mothership in France, um, and go through all that. So that in itself was a really huge learning experience. And I felt, you know, I felt ready for it. I did have a very clear idea of what I wanted to do with L, which was a huge benefit for me. I was very clear on the brand. I felt very aligned with the brand and where it needed to go. And then, you know, once you get started and you're up in the mix, then it hits you, the pressure hits you. You're, there's a lot of pride in it, but, um, you know, there's so much going on behind the scenes that you need to manage what's, what's doable what's feasible, what your responsibility is to the reader, to the new audience, you know, there's, there's, it's a lot going on. Um, but yeah, like it, it's, it was a pretty wild thing to realize, to look around and realize that you, you really are an only in that situation. And then you have to decide how you deal with what that means. Right. Cause it's like, it's cool, but it's not really cool. You know, it's not really 
it's like, yay, but now what? So I was more focused on the now what after I got that job. Like almost tied to like, and who's, who's next and who can we bring up to make sure that there's, you know, we're sending the elevator back down and that, that there's, it's, it's interesting. The idea around being the first is it's, it's great and it's exciting, but just as you said, it's like, really, it took this yeah. long. And now I'll just casually carry solving racism on my shoulder. Like I'll just casually just hook that up. Shall I? Super light. Yeah. <laughs> I got take this, it, guys. Vacation. Don't worry. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's on me. <laughs> what, what do you think after now that Elle is in the rearview mirror? What was the biggest takeaway? The biggest Ooh. lesson that you learned? I, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta have a, a moment when you're like, I am here because of what I know, and I have to trust what I know, and I have to trust my intuition and my gut and my vision. Because you get a lot of noise, you've got a lot of pressure, you've got a lot of people who want different things, whether it's advertiser pressure, whether it's internal pressure from your boss's vision, whether it is your team constraints, and what is happening in the world. So there's a lot going on there. And you really, that editor-in-chief is real. That line, editor, you have to edit out the noise. So I had to learn very quickly. I already knew as a journalist and a writer, of course, the importance of editing so that your message can come through loud and clear and not be diluted. But I would say the biggest lesson at L was if it felt wrong, I mean, this is so airy fairy, but it's the truth at this level, at this level, at this stage that I was at coming into this job, I wouldn't have gotten the job if I didn't know something. So when it really came down to it, I would have to just be like, it doesn't feel right. Or all this work I've done up till now, I'm, I'm sure when I spot a trend happening, it's probably legit. And then, of course, you have a great team around you that you can't do it without them who validate that and kind of support you. So I would say that was a, you know, a pretty significant lesson to learn because those times that I did not go with my gut, it wasn't the best work it could be or it just wasn't aligned with the overall vision. So, yeah, I would say that and like. And like, also you can make moves in silence. Like you don't have to always advertise what you're doing. A lot of times I would see my competitors just like doing stuff to do it. And I was like, we're working on something bigger in the background. I don't have to be out there saying what I'm doing all the time. Cause you know, so it's also to stay in your lane, to not be reactive, to be pretty straight and, and focused was a huge thing too. I knew what I wanted L to be. So I don't need to look left and right at what other people are doing. Which in this day and age is incredibly difficult because so you, you're on social media more than ever now and everybody's doing everything. So to, to have a linear focus and to know and to trust and believe, I know that definitely takes time to get there. But it's impressive because you trusting you, you now with so much noise must be <laughs> it's a wild thing. It's a wild thing, but I'm telling you, one of the one of the earliest things you see, let's just take journalism, right? One of the one of the number one things that calls out a young writer or an inexperienced writer is that they cling to every word they write. So for me, I would write a cover story and then someone might chop it up and, and edit it down. And I'd be like, Great, thanks for making it better. But when you're but at the beginning, every word is your sacred child right and and you're just like but wait you can't cut that and it's so so that idea the quicker you can get past the that more is not necessarily better and again going back to like what are you trying to say what are you trying to say just say it in a simple way you're going to reach more people it's going to make more sense it's actually going to be more elegant so that's the thing about in this world is like editing down as much you know it's what you look at as much as what you don't look at you know it's what you entertain as much as what you don't entertain and we for survival we have to you know for all of us what we're trying to do you've got to have that line you know and whether that 
that line is like, we will not use all of those adjectives adjectives in this story, or whether that line is like, I have to get off the internet. (laughs) I have to stop doom scrolling right now. Um, You know, so all about the edit. Literally, (laughs) Vanessa's in your bang, bang, doom scrolling, stay in your lane. There's anything past this, but um, what my question is, is what was actually the thing that won you over about TikTok? So let's see. So what happened was someone in my network reached out to me. I was not looking to leave L. That said, I was clearly open to considering a new opportunity. And there's a difference between the two. And there is a line where you can be in your comfort zone. For me, I had definitely started to feel or to question myself, is this as far as I can take L? Like, what more is there that I can do? What's realistic? Uh, what did I want to do that I haven't been able to do? Will I be able to do that? Have I stopped growing? You know, those are the things you actually do need to challenge yourself on. There's a time and a place where you just want to coast, and I get it. You can't do that for long. Uh, I wasn't coasting, but I definitely was, like, able to just knock it out. So with, with TikTok, I was approached and, and we started having some conversations. I had a lot of conversations. I was already very invested in TikTok when they reached out. I had been on the platform like crazy. I was basically just like a TikTok salesperson at L. I'd be like, guys, look at this video. What about this one? Hey, we should, I would always be saying to, to our digital director, I'm like, we should get on TikTok. And she's like, are you hiring 17 people to help me execute this strategy? I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> So, so I loved it already. I was already like delighted by the discovery of this incredible, you know, you guys know my whole thing at L was about finding this, you know, spotlighting talent. And just like the, the best thing about that job is that I was surrounded by people at the highest level of the, the, these creative geniuses, you know, I'm, I'm just are surrounded by incredible talent. And that's the kind of thing that motivates me and excites me uh, to be next to greatness. Right. So then I'm on this platform and I'm like, wait, that's like a post office worker doing this hilarious video with an idea I've never thought of. And then I swipe again and it's like this little old lady next door talking about her, her pasta sauce recipe. And I'm favoriting it. And like, I was just so excited by this idea of this untapped realm of content creators that was so democratized, which is like, I just love the democratization of being able to create content. We all know those barriers that stop people, everyone from having equal voice. So all of that was in my mind when, when the conversation started taking place, it felt like it's not that crazy of a move. It's a different industry, but it's not really that different to what I'm into, what excites me and where I think I can add value. So what was the most intimidating thing about starting a TikTok? I don't know if I would say intimidating. I would say, ooh, it was an upheaval to my comfort zone. Um, also, like what's interesting, you guys have to think, there's this reputation that you have coming from fashion. So I actually noticed that people were like pick, imagining me to like bust through like Devil Wears Prada and just like throw my mink stole across the table, which I did, but only once, only once. What was tough was there's a different language in tech, you know, it's a different way of looking at things. It's a fascinating thing. It's very data driven. And, you know, my thing is where's the humanity within the data, right? Where's the human side where, because, because data can tell you a lot of things about what people like, what people do, how they behave, but there's more to it than just a number, right? So me having to think in, in a data centric way while also remaining true to like what I know about seeing movements happen in community building, community building doesn't happen from like a number. 
you know? So that was tough. Different industry, different languaging, comfort zone. Um, you know, logging on to Zoom calls where people are in baseball hats. That was a new thing for me. Just like, we're working? Cool. Okay. So it's casual Friday every day. It's fine. No judgment. It's all good. Uh, yeah. So I guess that was that was it. But you do, so, you do soon see a lot of your skills are transferable. And again, one of the benefits, I, I've talked about this many times in different ways of being an outsider can actually really serve you because I can come in with a really fresh perspective and I can see things in a different way. And, uh, you know, we all get used to the work we do and the way we do it. So it's been helpful to, it's been tough to have a different point of view or not really see it the same way maybe as my peers. Uh, but that was something that I, I had to kind of get over and just say what I thought and go from there. I love it. I love it too, because I feel like you bring such a fresh perspective wherever you go. And initially when the people around that table are like, wait, who are you? And then you say something and it has purpose and it is transferable. They're like, okay, we'll, we'll let her sit here today. You know, what, were there any resources that do you transfer into your role at TikTok starting remotely as well? Cause a lot of people are starting new positions remotely right oh, now. Yeah. That has been tough. I have a team that 90% of them I've never met in person, you know, and there's nuances, there's energy, there's all the vibes with a Z. You don't get to feel that on a Zoom, okay? The shorthand that develops with a new team in person, I'm really lacking. That's taken lo a longer time. You know, you're still going to get there, but you know, sitting around a meeting room or going out for lunch with somebody or whatever, you just, you quickly pick up or you overhear conversations that help you get a better perspective on how someone thinks or handles something or, you know, that is the biggest challenge I have felt from being behind a computer, you know, for the entire day. Um, so that slows your learning, slows that, slows your ability to really bond that team together, which is very important when you're new and everyone else is new. And we're, we're the pace at TikTok is out of control. You know, we're, we're, it's, in, it's insane. So we all need to be at our best. So I have found it challenging to figure out how to grow as quickly as possible, but, but while focusing on the foundations that you have to build in order to have a team that can scale up, that can level up, that trusts you, um, you know, and that you can fully support. So I would say that is actually the hardest part. The Zoom fatigue we know is real. Um, and and we, we try to have calls where we're like, it can be camera off today or just go for a walk and voice call us. We don't always have to be you know, staring into, into the computer if we don't have to be. So we've tried to do a little bit of that. It's interesting, the idea around being the first. It's great and it's exciting, but just as you said, it's like, really? It took this long? <laughs> you know, like now what are we going to do? It's on me. <laughs> oh, but what do you think after now that Elle is in the rearview mirror, what was the biggest takeaway, the biggest lesson that you learned? I think having a diverse ex level of experience, it just helps you to level up your ability to see a different perspective quicker. And again, when I talk about editing, you know, it, it allows, it, I'm a natural editor in that I, you know, I see a bunch of things and I can see in the, what is the meaning from all of these things. So if I've tried all these different industries, so let's talk about from music to dance to journalism. Well, you know what the thread was always in common for me? It was always like, oh, connection. I'm trying to drive connection, largely focused on women, you know, connection for women, building that connection, building that support, empowering, you know, driving those kind of conversations and building community. 
that is a consistent thread within my career, no matter what I was doing. So as long as I was true to that, this is, of course, is reflective. This was not by design. This is just once I got to a certain point, I'm like, what am I doing in my life? Who am I? I started to realize, okay, transferable skills we talk about, right? We talk about, oh, I'm organized. That can transfer into different ways, but transferable values is what it was happening there for me is that I was just so driven to create community, so driven to create connection, whatever role I was in that I found interesting or would pursue, that's what would start to happen. So that started to become a lot clearer to me over time. So yeah, it's, it's, and I'll tell you, there's a quote of, I can't remember who said it, but it's one of my favorite things that was kind of around this idea of trying new things and jumping into new worlds and taking those risks. And it was like, it may seem risky to stand out, but risk is the safer of your options. The greatest danger lies on the other side of the coin being ignored. I feel like you've had the most level of experience across the biggest cross-section of industries. So obviously you've done fashion, lifestyle, but you've dabbled in beauty, sports, journalism, dance, music. What do you feel like has benefited you the most in terms of like getting your feet wet in all of these areas? So the, the fear of like living through regret of not trying something, not doing something was so much worse than the fear of like looking like a fool, you know, because we all know in, in, in reality, we've all screwed up and survived. Like we've all made mistakes and survived or like slipped on a like orange peel in the club and like hit the deck and had to like walk it off, just whatever. We've all been there. No. Yes. Anyone back me up. So, so it's like, so it's like, you know, you will, you can, you know, fall down and get back up again. So for me, that was when I clocked that, that was when I was like, okay, I don't really want to go into this, this dance studio with these bitchy ballerinas who really are just like, not impressed with my high tops. Like I'm really going to go in here. And I say that and my kid is literally one of those ballerinas, but it's not impressed. But like, you know, I would be like, I want to try this. I want to know. And I'm never going to know. And I'm going to have to every night go to bed and be like, I wonder like that sucks. I'll never know. I'm 900 years old now. And it's past the moment it's past versus going in there and having what happened, like going across the floor and maybe falling over and having to deal with that or whatever it is. So anyway, that's a long-winded thing of coming back to the way that I have tried a lot of different industries and, and worked in a lot of industries. But I do feel that my success in those various industries is because my values and what I was doing uh, and where I was focused, which is around around my strengths, that was consistent. Do you think that that lends itself to you being able to successfully not allow for imposter syndrome to stop you from doing something? God, no. I still suck up in imposter syndrome. No. No, no. I mean, imposter syndrome is, oh, she a bad B because you think you've dealt with it, right? So my best way of, I I mean, it happens. Sometimes it comes up in ways you can't see or, you know, you don't really even realize you're doing it because we're all pretty savvy these days to it existing. You know, there's no debate about that. It's just surprising how it can catch you off guard. Um, My way of defeating that, I've spoken before about having an advisory board of sorts of people around me who can real talk me if they hear me say something and I can, I can trust that that what they're saying is within, with my own best interest or that they know me well enough uh, to maybe just point it out, which of course I immediately say that's wrong and not true. And then go like write in my journal and have a single slow tear roll down my face. But yeah. (laughs) So no, imposter syndrome is really real. It's really, really real. I don't know why we find it so much more realistic to think we like tricked our way into something fooled everybody along the way. Then that maybe just, maybe we might, we might just be good at this. 
So I just try to, if it comes in my head, I just try to do it anyway. That's it. You just got to be like, cool. Well, it'll be worse if I don't take this job. It would be worse if I don't go approach this person to ask them a question. It'll be worse if I don't do this. So it's hard. Onwards and upwards, Queen. I feel like our level of fulfillment has changed severely throughout COVID. So we want to know what fulfills Vanessa Craft these days. Well, as I said earlier, you know, I do fill my cup with really incredible people around me or incredible things. Like it doesn't, it's obviously we prefer in real life to be in these moments where you see something wonderful or you experience something wonderful. Um, but it can be a book, a show of an experience that, you know, really makes you feel elevated and just so delighted by the craft that you're around. So I do get an incredible amount of fulfillment around um, creativity and beauty and magic. My favorite thing is to be surprised by someone, you know, you think you have somebody figured out and then they like make like a really witty joke or something. And it's just like, takes you by surprise. So I love that kind of thing. And yeah, like at the end of the day, when we, if we talk strictly from a career point of view, um, you know, I'm very fulfilled by helping Canadian talent get a look. I mean, there's so much talent here. It's out of control. There's a lot uh, that feels good to me to be able to be, to be like, we got to get light over here. Or we got, what can we do? Even just if it's a conversation with a creator or somebody that is trying to level up and like helping them get there, that's very fulfilling to me. I just love being able to say to people, look, look how cool this is. Like, this is so dope. Come on, come on, let me talk to you about it. So those are the things. I think too, it speaks to your ability as like a master networker, which I feel like is Anybody who's ever met you, anyone who's ever been around you knows that to be true. Um, so if you could give three tips for anyone out there who's really hungry to make the connections you've been talking about so much here at this podcast and maximize on those relationships, what would they be? Networking's tough. It's tough. And it goes back to that whole thing I was saying a minute ago about you're not going to, not every uh, reach out or whatever, you know, you see someone and you reach, come, come up to them and try to kind of pitch them or sell them on you. It's not always going to succeed, but that it's better to have done that than to have not, not done it at all. But if you are going to do it, be ready be ready. Do not waste an opportunity to get one shot with a lot of this stuff. Right. So definitely be ready. And by being ready, um, let's just say, be very clear of what your story is about yourself, right? Because ultimately if you're talking to someone who a lot of people are going to, because they want to have access, they want to get in, in, in get inside the company or whatever they do. Um, they're going to go in and, and pitch an idea, but they're also going to be pitching what they can do and their skills and this, but you have to keep in mind that largely what people connect to is the energy, like the stories you tell, how you tell, are you compelling? Do you, do you seem like someone that they might want to work with? So don't just be very linear about your stuff, sell it, sell it in a way that is true to you. That sounds like who you are and how you talk. Um, so you want to have that kind of very clear and you want to work that out. If you have a minute with somebody in an opportunity, you, you know, you don't want, we've all been there where you're like, hi, I saw, and you just see the eyes literally like glaze over and they're like looking over your shoulder to be like, can someone remove this person from the, I mean, I've not, I've never done that. I would never do that, but I've seen other people do that. Um, I would also say like, don't, here's, this is actually, here's something real. Don't aim too high. And I know that sounds wild, but don't aim if you're at a party and you, the CEO is there and then like the CEO's assistant and then maybe a middle manager person, you don't necessarily need to go to the CEO. First of all, a lot of the times they're disconnected from the, in, the, the where you'll even be or what you even need an answer on. Um, and 
you might want to get in with the person who's the next CEO or the next next CEO or someone who's, you know, around at a level they actually do have time to talk to you. Cause a lot of times people really don't have time to have a coffee. Even if they want to, they don't have the time. So be, be strategic about who you're approaching to network, you know, because they're rise, they're rising stars in that, in those companies you might want to get into identify those people. Think about networking with the people who haven't yet hit it at the level that, you know, you want to get to. Um, yeah. So know how to communicate your story. Oh, another thing too, is like, don't waste an opportunity. Right. So, so getting an introduction is so much better than like Kool-Aid Manning busting your way into like a closed circle. You know, listen, I used to do that. There'd be a closed circle. I'd be like, Timbaland's there. I got to get in. I got to go say something. Here we go. Happening. Hello. 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 Excuse me. No, do not do that. Get an introduction to Timbaland. Also, that was such a, I feel like I did that. It was like at a Joe concert. <laughs> I don't know, man. I thought, I don't know what I thought was going to happen. What did I think out? Not, not, he just wasn't impressed. He really did not want to hear from me. And that was, that's where the story ends, unfortunately. Um, but I would say, yeah, get an introduction because it makes a big difference to me. If someone that I know says, Hey, listen there, I know you're busy, but this kid's so exciting. Or have you ever met this person before? I think you guys would, you know, really get along someone who's validating, um, getting it in you, like that makes a significant difference to your networking. So if you're like, but I don't know anybody, there's ways to grow that. If you, if you only literally have an Instagram account to follow and you want to try to, then leave insightful, smart comments, you know, start building your, your reputation with that person by always leaving something of value, uh, in their comment section or whatever it might be, start to build that. Like it doesn't have to happen the day that you want it to happen. It's a long game here. You've got to have a strategy about even your networking. I used to sit and, and try to like map out what I wanted and this ultimate goal and work backwards from that goal. And it would often work to where I would get to a place where I'm like, I need to talk to that person. I need that person to know I exist. And then I'd have to work from that backwards. How do I get that person to know I exist? What am I going to say when I get in front of them? Is it better to reach out on email? Is it better to get an in-person introduction? Is it better to just like make this great, incredible work here and then have someone share it? It's a, it's like a real, you have to treat it like a, you know, like a war room essentially, because sometimes you only get one shot and you want to really be at your best when you do. I think that's such a key point now because we live in such a world of immediacy, like everything needs to happen yeah. right now. And something that I've been saying to our team lately is, is like, it's the long game and it's so frustrating to hear sometimes, but if you're, if you're looking at it as a game of chess or you're looking at it as actual strategy, strategy has to play yeah. out. Strategy just doesn't happen overnight. You make a plan. And like you said, you have to work mm -hmm. towards it and take the time to think, if I call this person right now and I haven't done what I need to do to set myself up to be worthy of talking to this person, then maybe I'm just shouldn't be talking to that person just yet. Just a little bit of work. It's just because the world feels so small because it's social, right? You feel like, they're my friend. <laughs> not really, not yet. Okay. <laughs> um, but um, what are you looking forward to most right now? Like if, if COVID was ever to end, um, if lockdown was ever to end, what would be something that you just can't wait to do? Uh, imagine spontaneity. Imagine. <laughs> um, you know what? It's really, it's actually simple. I just think about, you know, when you're at work and you have this loose thing in your calendar and you just grab a quick drink with someone after work, like a Senkaset, 
and you just go and it's just going to be one glass of wine and just like, no, and we're not eating. I have dinner plans later. And then fast forward to like a bottle of champagne and French fries. It's always the French fries. It falls apart immediately once that bottle of champagne is ordered. And you're just like laughing and giggling and making fun of different peeps at the bar. And then they're talking to you and you're talking and you're laughing and joking. And you walk to the bathroom and you're like, I look so cute right now. I'm feeling myself right now. What? And then you get home and it's like one in the morning and it's Tuesday. That is what I want. I want a meal in public that I didn't prepare. I want a beautifully crunchy ice champagne in a bucket. I just, and I want to just be laughing with friends and I want it to feel spontaneous and just like anything is possible. I've never craved anything more after you just said that. You're such a boss at all things, but we love that you ultimately use your platforms for social justice. How do you stand your ground and publicly advocate for what you believe in despite all of the differing opinions on the internet? I don't know. I think, uh, look, be accurate, be well-researched, be empathetic, be real with whatever you do. Of course, I think pick, you pick what matters to you and you focus on that. It can get overwhelming, right? There's so many, so many things happening in the world that could, that are worthy of a plot of a platform shining light on or discussing it or, or, or pointing it out and you can't do it all. So you pick the things that matter to you and activism can be big or small. You know, it can be small acts. It can be just reaching out to people. It can be publicly speaking about it, your, your truth on the internet. It can be so many things. Um, so do it right, what feels right for you. And, and there's lots of ways to advocate and push your agenda. Um, so with me, sometimes it's, I would just be like, I can support this in this way. And this will make a longer term impact. Um, you know, it is hard on social. You see everyone doing everything and, and, and you kind of get caught up in that. And then, you know, like, it's like, you even see it when like a celebrity dies that you barely care about because everybody's spamming their feed with the celebrity. Then you're like, should I post that picture of the celebrity whose movie I don't really remember? I should, I should do that. So, (laughs) and then you're like, what the hell, who am I? What am I doing? So, so I try to be like that, you know, with everything going on and just be like, what would I say? How, who can I talk to offline? What can I do in the background? Not everybody has to be in the foreground and great. If you are, it's, it's a great thing to be. So yeah, just different opinions. People are going to have a different opinion. You know, if you please everyone, you're probably not saying anything too important if everybody's happy with you. Right. Rapid fire, Vanessa, who is killing it right now in your eyes, brands or individuals? Mm, Who's killing it? Anyone who understands what an NFT is. Let's start there. Okay. They're killing it. Good for them. You know what that is. Props to you. Um, I don't know. We have, uh, there's a, there's a really great fashion critic and his name is Louis Pisano. He's based in Milan. He is someone who is using his voice to speak truth to power, uh, really calling out brands and really calling out the racism in the fashion industry in Milan and unabashedly doing so. Like it's extremely brave what he does. He's very funny. He's very creative. He's very talented. Uh, so he's someone I'm really excited by because it, he signifies to me the future of the industry fashion is a tough one. You know, you have to dismantle so many things from the top that are broken and fashion likes to feel very diverse and very welcoming when we know that it is has, still has a long way to go. So Lewis is someone I really love. And then in terms of like TikTokers, people on the platform, there there's a, a wonderful trans creator named Kissy Duray and they do wonderful motivational content. They do, you know, really great stuff about the supportive and kind of advocacy and done in an entertaining way in a very like heart note connected way. 
Um, I always ask all of our guests this, and not in the hashtag self-care kind of way, but how do you really take care of yourself? How does Vanessa take care of Vanessa? Well, the ways that I used to have had to change, right? You know, you can't just go burn it off in a dance class or, you know, at a a dinner with some french fries so it definitely has had to change i can tell you like obviously there's some things that are are different you know i make sure i have a morning routine you know bed is made coffee is made you know morning stretch that's like that type of thing to try to start the day off i try not to hit the snooze button little things like that to start the day i started playing piano again with my you know my daughter and i've been like writing jams so next career watch out universal music what's up um please, please don't, please cut that, cut the camera, cut that. Um, but, but I will say this, the biggest self-care act for me during this time has been acceptance because it is hard. And I have days that feel so dark and I feel so tired in a way I never felt before. Um, and just accepting it instead of like, my thing is always like, I have to change this. I have to fix this. I have to fix this. I have to make it better. And sometimes I'm just like, no, we're just going to accept that this is hard for you right now. Or that, you know, your pants don't fit right now because COVID carbs are real. Like whatever it is, my biggest self-care thing is like, I'm going to scroll TikTok without guilt. I am going to binge drag race without guilt. Uh, you know, I'm going to also put down a boundary if I need some space from the people in my home. And I'm going to, you know, not feel apologetic about that. So it's been almost more inward self-care as opposed to external, like, you know, doing my nails or whatever, because that's over. Everyone says, you know, it's be easy on yourself. It's a pandemic. But when we hit the one year anniversary is when I was like, how could this not affect me? How could this not make me feel, whether it's anxious or just lethargic or or stressed out or whatever it is, of course, it's going to happen. We're dealing with an incredible amount of things in the news that are triggering, lingering, and, uh, you know, stay with you even when you think you've moved on from them. Because, like, let's be real, the trauma of last summer, the trauma of George Floyd, the trauma of what's happening with the Asian community right now, those things are constantly being re-triggering for you if you see that on the news again. The trial, the George Floyd trial has thrown me back significantly, you know, significantly thrown me. And what are you going to do? You have to be like, well, it should. It's horrible. And it was traumatic for everyone involved no matter what level you were involved so yeah accepting it accepting it instead of trying to just talk it away or or do whatever take this advice guys like whatever you can do to be okay right now be okay because you know i don't want to hear about this 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 summer bodies are made in the winter or any of this madness just survive and and be okay because this is a long time we've been we've never experienced this in our lifetime and and, and if you have kids like that we were just talking about the the rate like just the percentage of their lives that they've just a year what that puts on their life and so just to make it a safe space for everybody to just be okay and talk it through or don't talk it through set your boundaries mm-hmm. and give yourself a break oh my goodness yeah honestly be gentle with yourself be gentle with yourself i say this to my girlfriends all the time like just be kind to yourself right now it's just whatever you need to do just fix it later right now it's survival mode you know it's not revival mode hey did i just start saying no i didn't (laughs) thrival you know what i'm trying to say amen to that amen to that (laughs) 
Thank you so much, Vanessa. Seriously, we know how busy you are and mm. we are so blessed that you came and you talked with us. I know so many people are going to get amazing takeaways from that. So thank you for giving us some of your time. We really appreciate it. You. you can keep up with Vanessa at Vanessa Craft, just like it sounds on the gram and TikTok. Thank you again. We love you. Thank you. Cows, you know what to do. Rate this podcast five stars on Apple and don't forget to follow us on Spotify. You can continue keeping up with our adventure on the gram at Coco and Co. That's C-O-W-E. Now go tell your friends about it. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.